Oh, good evening. Hello. Oh, we are still here. I oh, know it's past bedtime. It's past my bedtime anyway, so this might be interesting. We'll see what happens. My name is David Blowers. I'm one of the uh, staff at the church here, and we are going to spend a little bit of time listening to God. Uh, let me pray for us as we do that. Heavenly Father, we ask now, as we spend time in your word, as we think about what you have to say about who we are and about who you are, we ask, please, that you would show us the reason why we celebrate at Christmas, that we would learn to put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that we would find salvation in him. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I don't know what your last couple of weeks have been like, but have been anything like mine, it's been non-stop celebration. Uh, between the work functions, the dinners, the lunches, the snacks in between the dinners and the functions. Uh, and this isn't even family stuff. I mean, just today we had two different Christmas parties. Tomorrow there's one set of family. Boxing Day is the other. Has this been your experience the last little while? Christmas is a time of celebration. Now, of course, as Aussies, we don't need much of an excuse to celebrate. Uh, any excuse will do, right? Someone won the Little League in their kids' soccer. Hey, let's celebrate. We're having a barbecue. Hey, let's celebrate. We're having a public holiday. Hey, let's celebrate. Really doesn't matter what the occasion is. But there's something about Christmas that makes it rather special. And I'm not just talking about the fact that we get two public holidays. Hey, let's celebrate, right? I'm talking about the fact that it's a Christian celebration. It's in the name, Christmas. Christian celebration. And I want us to stop and think tonight for a little bit about why it is that we celebrate Christmas, a Christian celebration. Why it is that we, as a nation, still celebrate it so much. And it's all caught up in what is a Christian. Now I want to take 10, 15 minutes tonight out of the midst of all the partying that we're doing to stop and have a think about what it is that God has to say and how we should respond. I wonder what you think of when I say, what is a Christian? What picture comes into your head? Now, you might uh, immediately think of something like this, perhaps. Right? The, the Christian is the, the cloistered, holy person who reads the scriptures, surrounded by stained glass windows, a, a little bit like we are right now, perhaps. Uh, or you might think of a Christian as being somebody like this. Uh, just a little Simpsons reference, Ned Flanders, right? the, uh, the perfect I mean, Hadley Ho Ne Burritos, right? This is line, known for being the, uh, the holier-than-thou Christian. Is this what you think of? What is a Christian? Perhaps you think more of this kind of a person. Okay, sure, that's a Mormon, right? We don't call Mormons Christians, but right, the Christian has the come and knock at your door, never leave you alone, always bothering you with his Jesus business. Perhaps you think of a Christian as more like this. Uh, that's not a photo of me, by the way, just in case you're wondering. Uh, but somebody who's stuck in the past, just living off the greed. I mean, we're talking about a 2,000-year-old book tonight, someone who, who just ignores all the things of modernity. Maybe you just think of Christians as the people with impeccable sense of style, particularly when we wear sandals and socks. What is a Christian? See, no matter what it is that you think about Christians, for most, I think, they have this picture of the Christian person as somehow being morally superior, or at least thinking that they are. They think that they're the good people, right? They're the religious ones. Isn't that what Christians are? Middle class, nice, 
certain way of living, certain kind of person. There's one very simple illustration of how this happens. As a pastor, as a minister in particular, this happens frequently. I've been hanging out with a bunch of blokes. It happened very recently. I was, I was with a bunch of tradies on a work site. And, uh, and, and one of them just happened to drop a colourful little word, as you do on the work site. Right? I'm sure it's the sort of language that they use all day very frequently. And immediately, he said, oh, sorry. I thought, well, what, what, what do you think of me? That what you're saying might offend me, that I'm a good person somehow? What I want to do for the next couple of minutes is just get to the point. I want to be very clear about what a Christian is. Because you need to understand that in order to understand Christmas. And I've got three things I want to tell you. The first is this. Very simply, Christians are no better than anyone else. If you came in tonight thinking that a Christian was a person who had reached a particular level of morality, you have misunderstood Christianity. Christians are no better than anybody. In our natural state, on our own, by our own efforts and attempts, we are not superior to anybody. It was in that second reading. If you've got a Bible, you might find it helpful to have Titus 3 open. After all, this is what is the authority, not me. And you'll note there in that third sentence, verse number 3, the writer says this, at one time, we too, right, we Christians, were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Now, there's a pleasant description, isn't there? You think you're going to come to church tonight to be told what sort of a rotten person we are. I mean, what a description that is. Which, by the way, ought to resonate. Foolish. I reckon I could name the, the decade between when I was about 14 and 24 where that word would be a very apt description. Disobedient. Let me just think about your parents for a moment. There's a couple of younger people among us tonight, right? You guys are perfect, right? You're always obeying your parents. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, the parents are going, <laughs> you're right. No. And that's our parents, let alone God. Led by passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy. If you don't recognize yourself in these verses, then you don't recognize yourself. This is the basic truth, not just about Christians, but about all of us. This is who we are. Not morally neutral, but in fact wicked, evil, sinners in need of salvation. And saved, you'll note, if you come down to sentence number five, saved by God, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. See, Christians are not moral, pure, righteous, upright, religious. No, Christians are forgiven sinners. Did you know that there's a requirement, a prerequisite to coming to church? I mean, I hope you know because you're here. <laughs> It might be a bit embarrassing if you haven't met it. Do you know what it is? I reckon we could walk down the street and just go and do a straw poll and ask people, right, what do you think you have to do before you're allowed to come to church? And I reckon you'd get any number of answers. Oh, well, you've got to be a good person, right? You can't be my sort. You've got to be all right. You've got to have your life sorted out. You've got to dress nice. 
You've got to have a particular hairstyle, right? You've got to have a beard or no beard. You've got a hat or no hat, nice shoes, bad shoes, no shoes. You could get any number of answers. There's only one prerequisite to coming to church. And that's this, that you're a sinner. That you are somebody who understands, who knows that they have been wrong before God. They have been disobedient to God. That they are not morally pure. That they are not righteous and perfect. That's good news, by the way. Because I'm trusting that you aren't perfect. That as you came today, well, a couple of us getting pretty close, perhaps, right? But they're, they're, <laughs> just watching the people who are going, oh, well, maybe, maybe me. You have to be honest with yourself and be able to understand and acknowledge this reality. It doesn't matter what you wear when you come to church. It doesn't matter if you're the right sort or not. It doesn't matter if you've got tattoos over 95% of your body. None of that matters. What matters is that you know yourself honestly to be somebody who needs salvation. So here's the second point that I want to make. Christians are people that God has saved. See, the first point, Christians are no better than anyone else. But secondly, Christians have been saved by God. Again, verse 5 there, God saved us. Note, God is the active one. We are passive. He is the one doing the saving, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he pours out on us generously. I love the beach. Anyone like going to the beach? Uh, I quite enjoy surfing. Uh, it's, it's a little bit hard to do for, in Ingleburn. Uh, the, our, our nearest beach uh, doesn't really have a lot in the way of good surfable waves. Uh, Simo's Beach, right, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, not to mention that, if perfectly honest, if you went and swam in it, you might come out glowing and green. So I'm not super keen. But I, really, I, I love going to the beach. I love going surfing. I used to live in the east, and you'd go to Bondi, very famous, beautiful beach, unfortunately full of Turons. You ever come across Turons? Uh, they're tourists and morons, right? So yeah, you have lots of tur- Turons. And, um, and, and unfortunately, they don't really understand the beach. They don't really understand the surf. They don't really understand rips and currents. And inevitably, every time you're out there, someone gets into trouble. Right? And you watch them, and it's the same story every time. They, they get into the current, starts to pull them out, and you can just see the wheels turning. They're like, oh, I, can, I can do this. Oh, I'm they start swimming straight back towards the beaches. You're not supposed to, right? You're supposed to go sideways, but they're like, yeah, I can do it. And they're still just going backwards as they're swimming forwards, and they're kind of like, whoa, whoa. And you, you see the fear start to sit in, and eventually they think to maybe put the hand up, and you know what happens next. Lifeguards, poof, in they come, out on the surf skis, jump them on, in back to it saved, rescued. You need a lifesaver at the point where you can't save yourself. They need to be rescued because they are incapable of doing it for themselves. And note again, not because of righteous things we had done. It's not that God looks at us and goes, oh, gee, they're nice. Oh, they're so cute. I want to go and save them. No. He looks at us in the midst of our wickedness and he loves us. Enough to bring about salvation. You can't boast before God. It's as if, right, the lifesaver rescues you, the lifeguard's come out, he's got you, he's pulled you back in, they've had to do a bit of CPR and get some water out of your lungs and finally you're kind of coming to again and you stand up and the next thing you do is, oh, I'm, a, I'm a good swimmer, aren't I? Oh, gee, <laughs> that was so excellent of me, wasn't it? 
No. No, it was nothing about you. It was God's love and God's kindness that brings about salvation. But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us. Now this is where it starts to turn into a Christmas story. When the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared. I don't know if you noticed in that first reading in Luke chapter 2, as the angels come and speak to the shepherds, did you notice what they said? Good news! For today to you is born in the town of Bethlehem a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. That is why Christmas is such an amazing celebration because what we are celebrating is the Saviour. God's own salvation appears in a man, in a baby, we remember at Christmas time. When I get caught up in the baby, right, it's very easy to kind of Christmas time and nativity scenes and the babies because they're so cute, so you've got to have a baby in the manger. The, the, the baby was God entering into humanity, but the baby grew up into a man who lived the perfect life that we couldn't and in the end who died as our substitute, as our representative. So do you remember, we are just as bad as each other. We are not morally neutral. In fact, there is hell to pay for our rejection of God. A hell that he pays and then rose again to bring about a new life, defeating death. The grace of God appeared in the Lord Jesus. And you know what? The grace of God has appeared to you again tonight. It appeared 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born and it has appeared to you again. For you tonight have heard of this news. That whoever you are and whatever you have done in Jesus, you can have a new and fresh start. If you will but acknowledge the reality of your sin. Our Christians are no better than anyone else. Christians are people that God has saved. And Christians, thirdly, are people that God has saved for a new life. See, I want you to make, make very clear what it is that I'm saying when I use the word saved. I'm not saying that to be saved, to be a Christian, is to now become a good person. I'm not going back to that, to saying, well, yes, Christians are morally superior now. That's what it means to be saved. It means to, to have your life sorted out now. No, Christianity is about something much, much, much bigger than that. Have a look down at sentence number seven. So that having been justified by his grace, having been declared righteousness, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This life, let's be honest, is not really particularly fantastic. I mean, if you're really, 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 really lucky, maybe you'll make it to 100. Mind you, if you're really unlucky, you might make it to 110. I mean, who wants to be hanging around that long, right? But compared to eternity, that is nothing. Absolutely nothing. What we are saved for is the hope of something so much greater. See, when we were lost, there was no hope. So you just eat, you drink, be merry. For tomorrow we die, who cares? Well, actually, it's even worse. For tomorrow we are judged. Whereas in Jesus, when we have been found, there is hope. There is a future to look forward to. An eternal life that by God's kindness begins now. A life that is so powerful and so compelling that it, God begins to wash and renew and transform us now so that we can start living that life. 
See, are Christians good people? Are, are we any better? Is there any point to this thing that God does? It's a hard question to answer, isn't it? I mean, if I asked you, are Christians better than other people? What would you think? Now, in one sense, it's a question with an impossible answer, isn't it? Because the cardinal sin, the one thing you're not allowed to do as a Christian, is talk yourself up. So you can't say yes, right? You're blowing your own trumpet. You're not allowed to do that. Compared to who? Are Christians better compared to who? Compared to all people at all times? Of course we're not. There have been some horrible Christians and some lovely, lovely people who won't. How about if we ask the question this way, though? Are Christians better compared to themselves? That is, if you were a person before you had the Lord Jesus Christ and after, has something changed? And the answer to that has to be yes. You go and talk to any Christian you like and they will tell you the story of who they once were and who, and note this is important, God is now making them to be. I'm not saying that Christians are just learnt to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. No, whom God is making them to be. You see, if there's no difference, then what's the point? If, there's no, if, if, if Jesus makes no difference, if this spirit that brings renewal and washing and a rebirth doesn't change you, then is it really working? Is it doing anything? Are Christians... Any, what about compared to other people? Are Christians better? Well, we've already said no, because we're all sinful. But frankly, by the work of God, yes. Because God changes lives. Observably changes lives. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is one of the strongest proofs that what I'm telling you is true. Go and talk to a Christian. Ask them the difference that God has made. Let me give you just one illustration of this point. And let's see if it works. Imagine church finishes. What have we got? 20 minutes till midnight. We'll finish at 10 past, quarter past. You have your little Christmas farewells. And then you've got to walk home. And as you're walking home, for some reason, you've got to wander through a dark alleyway. Yeah, you, somehow Ingleburn has turned into a, a city centre. And you're wandering through this dark alley next to this tall building. And out of one of the doors bursts a group of blokes a bit like this. It's night, not daytime, so it's, it's dark, right? A big bunch of burly, bikey guys. They're all wearing colours, big beards, right? And they're all just, the blokes are coming out. How are you feeling right now? You're pro probably starting to feel a little bit anxious. Maybe the voice gets a little bit higher, just a little bit squeaky. You guys, you guys okay? Perhaps a little bit of the shakes. Not very comfortable. Now, does that change, though, if you notice that, in fact, they're all carrying Bibles and they're walking out of what is clearly a church and you can hear the music still playing as their service is finished? How are you feeling now? I'm, actually, I'm, I'm okay now, aren't I? Why? What is it about that change? Now, what's the point of telling you this? I'm not trying to stand up here and just blow a trumpet and say, well, Christians, aren't they great? Ha, 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 look at us. The point is this. I want to point out to you the truly miraculous reality that we live in. That God 
the, the almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing God, because of his own love and kindness and mercy, because of his undeserved grace, reached out to the world in Jesus Christ, took on flesh, took on humanity to powerfully save people like you and like me who are dirty, wicked, foolish, deceived, to save us from hell, from judgment, from condemnation, and to give us such a glorious new hope and a new future that begins the renewal and the restoration now with hope of something so much greater to come. The point of telling you all of this is because it's an invitation. That's the most long-winded invitation you've ever heard, isn't it? Right? It's not just, would you come to my party? It's, it's an invitation to be honest with yourself. You know you're not the way you're meant to be. You fail yourself, let alone God. To invite you to come and to see that the Saviour has appeared. To accept his gift. You're going to give presents, you're going to get presents. Why don't you accept the greatest one of all? The sacrifice of the Saviour who pays for you. I almost feel like by now I don't need to point out why we celebrate Christmas. Why is such a great Christian celebration? We celebrate because today we remember... That Christ our Saviour was born on Christmas Day. That truly is tidings of comfort and of joy. So please, this Christmas time, please, please, celebrate. Enjoy it. Go to the parties, hang out with the family, drink the good, drink the good drinks, eat the good food, right? hang out, have presents, enjoy yourself. But please, whatever it is that you do, Make sure you celebrate the right thing. You celebrate the Lord Jesus, the Saviour who was born. And that you celebrate in the sure and certain knowledge that your past is paid for. And your future is secure in him. Will you accept the gift of Jesus? Salvation. New birth. And hope. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for your salvation. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ come into our world to bear our sin. And Father, thank you that you did it despite the fact that we deserved none of it. It was your love and your kindness and your mercy. Father, we ask please this Christmas that you would put before us the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would entrust our lives to him, that we would celebrate that which is worth celebrating forgiveness of sin, and life everlasting. Amen.